because the reality is the way that the internet and technology are set up right now, they're set up to kick the realtor out of the deal, period, end of story. And so I think if unless agents really catch on to that, they're probably not going to have a, a long shelf life in this business. Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Sean Ireton with the New Inspiration Extraordinary Gentleman podcast. And today I have a very, very, very special guest. Um, his name is Chris Saison, and he's a very good friend of mine. He's like a brother to me. Uh, we've known each other for several years now. It's been like, what, five, six years, something like that, Chris? Yeah, I think it's been about six years, yeah. Crazy, man. Time flies. Um, so Chris Saison is a Keller Williams realtor, um, and he's been doing this for about 10 years. He was born and raised in Sacramento, where we met. Um, he has a sister. He's got a nephew. He's got a beautiful black lab named Cola. Um, he's another big hip hop head like I am. And he actually went on uh, a mission trip recently to Mexicali, uh, organized by a uh, church called the Bayside Church, to build a house for a family, doing outreach for kids and all kinds of different fun stuff. Um, and uh, like I said, we met in Sacramento at, at, at BNI. So my other guest, Justin Payrett, who's on the show, we all three of us met in the same networking group. Uh, shout out again to BNI Sacramento Midtown and the whole crew. Um, and so the reason why Chris is on the show is to tell his story. Um, and he's going to talk about some of his spirituality and how that's brought him to where he is today and why he does what he does. Um, and then he's going to talk about his personal story and how he got into real estate. And then he's also going to give some real estate insights. So Chris, brother, Thank you for being on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. It's been amazing seeing your journey. I uh, I know that you're crushing it out in Southern California, so of course I have a I have a soft spot in my heart for us Northern California uh, natives, and we we miss having you out here. But it's been uh, it's been really cool seeing your journey and, and your growth. Uh, not only just uh, uh, in business, but just in personal life too, man. So it's been awesome. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. It's definitely different having my heart in San Francisco. Now, it's definitely uh, <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely different having my heart kind of based in Northern California, especially living in Southern California. I still wear my Giants cap even if I walk to the grocery store in, in LA and I, I've got pride for it. You know, I'm happy. I'm happy where I'm from, you know? Yeah. And, and it's always good to stay in touch. And you wear that hat, even if it's the, the one that your, your grandpa gave you that's Velcro. I mean, you still wear it. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's a lot about you. And, and, uh, and I love that about you. So I want to make a quick, a quick correction. You said I've been doing this for 10 years. That's, that's somewhat, Oh, it's more than it's somewhat yeah. true. No, I broke away from, working on my mother's team in 2008, but I actually got into real estate in 2005. So um, ah, I see. that's a sm my small little correction, but I'm just going to bust your chops for that one. <laughs> Chris is a ball buster. So that's, we go, we go way back, um, give each other shit. But anyway, um, so yeah, Chris, before we jump into the questions about uh, some of the insights that you have and some of the value that you're going to provide to people today, um, 
let's let's jump into your origin story, man. So like before 2005, even before you were starting to get into real estate, like where was things headed? Were you always wanting to be a real estate agent or did you have some other things in your mind that you wanted to accomplish? What was what was that young Chris like? Yeah, young Chris had nothing, no aspirations to become a realtor. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I think as an early kid, I was fascinated with rap music. And so I was uh, testing my waters as a rapper. Chance fifty fifty. Shout out Chance fifty fifty. Yeah, chance, yeah. Hashtag Chance fifty fifty. That's right. Um, but my 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 future in the rap game was was probably not that bright. Um, so yeah, just one of those things where growing up as a kid. Uh, let's see, my my mom pretty much for the most part raised my sister and I. I have an older sister raised us uh, with little help from my father. Um, and every you know lived that 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 cute suburban life we grew up in elk grove and uh started getting into some trouble by the age of 13 is when i started becoming a little bit of a hellion um mainly because my sister moved out at that point so it was just my mom and i and uh didn't really have a lot of parental guidance around the house and yeah just kind of started going down the 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 wrong direction so to speak hanging out with uh people i probably should have been hanging out with not really paying attention in school. I didn't graduate junior high school. Not, not that many people know that about my story, but I didn't even, didn't even get to walk this, didn't even get to walk the stage in in junior high. So that was a bummer. Um, and then finally at the age of 16, uh, my, after my sophomore year ended, uh, my mom just decided that it was too much for me to stay at, at her house. And so, um, so I ended up, she ended up sending me off to, to live with my dad. Uh, my dad was actually taking care of my grandmother at the time. Um, she was she had cancer, and so she had a house in South Sacramento, uh, right around the corner from G Parkway. Pretty pretty little rough location for people that are familiar with South Sacramento. Uh, it was uh, definitely not Elk Grove. I, I'll tell you that. Um, my grandmother ended up passing away about three weeks after I moved in. And then it was just my dad and myself. So, um, went to a continuation high school, ended up graduating. And that's when I was pretty much thrown into the restaurant business. I got a job oh, working yeah. at Jack's Urban Jack. Eats for, uh, yeah. <laughs> for all my, for all my, uh, Sacramento people. There's, a. Uh, quite a few Jack's Urban Eats locations now. And that's where I, I got to cut my teeth on the restaurant world. That was pretty fun. Um, before Jack's Urban Eats, I was working down the street at Paisano's. So I actually got to a point where um, at the age of 18, I was working at both restaurants. I'd open up Paisano's, then go on like a two hour break. And then I'd work from Jack's at Jack's Urban Eats from like four o'clock to close. Um, so I did that. <clears throat> I moved downtown. So I was living, I was living in Midtown, had a roommate living with a buddy of mine, working in the restaurant industry. Um, it just so happened that during that time, a lot of my buddies were the people that I was working with at the restaurants. So they were five, six, seven years older than me. Um, and slowly started getting involved into that and into that lifestyle. So, um, (laughs) got a fake ID. So I was hanging, hanging out with those guys and going to clubs and concerts, you know, underage illegally. Um, and I was having fun, you know, I I don't know, most 18 year olds, 19 year olds, uh, they're either a going to college or they're doing something else. And 
I went to Sac City College for about one semester and completely knew for a fact that uh, school was definitely not for me. It's not what I, I just had no focus in it. So I just wanted to make some money and have some fun. So that's pretty much what my, my story consisted of. And, um, it just, just so be after working at Jack's and Paisano's for a good solid year, then I went full-time working at Jack's. And, um, just before I turned 20 years old, I met these guys that came into the restaurant that were wearing fancy suits Rolex watches and it it just I don't know why but it just grabbed my attention and I started talking with them they'd come into Jack's to get salads and lunches maybe two to three times a week I started asking questions about what they did for a living they owned multiple companies including a mortgage company and so I told them that my mother is a very successful realtor and they were like, you know what, we should meet sometime. So had coffee with them. They said, you should quit the restaurant job and come work with us and make real money. And like the smart, savvy 19 year old that I was, I <laughs> put in my two weeks notice, didn't really ask many questions. And before you know it, I became a, a loan officer. So uh, we can kind of dive into that, but that's pretty much the story of how it all began. Um, was I just from meeting those guys, got into the mortgage business, and um, worked 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 for that company for a little bit less than a year before I kind of fell on my face. Gotcha. So before we talk about you falling on your face, which is something that I really want to get into because I love talking about people <laughs> like the not literally falling on your face, but um, the challenge behind it and everything. That's one of the things that I really like talking about. But <clears throat> I actually want to back up and talk about your other grandmother, the one that um, she's still she's still kicking today. Right. I mean, the she one is. that you that you. Yeah. So he and his grandmother like to do professionally shot photos of them like hip hop style, kind of like peace signing the camera and wearing like fancy gold jewelry and looking like rappers, looking all hard and stuff. And his grandmother is hilarious. So uh, tell me about your how did this even happen? Like, how does this get started where you just tell her one day or like, I'm going to be a rapper and she was just super supportive and she kind of just went along with it or or what? Give me some backstory on that. No, you know, uh, I, I have not always had this relationship with like this with my grandma. She was actually a very stern, fierce woman that did not like to joke a lot. It wasn't until my grandfather passed away that she started actually showing signs of emotion. And, and so our relationship just kind of started to get pretty deep at that point. This was about, I want to say eight years ago is is, uh, when my grandfather passed away. And so I just go and check on her and and hang out with her. We'd have uh, our, our custom glasses of bourbon when I'd go and visit her at her house at nighttime and she'd be watching her game shows. And I don't know, it just started happening where I wanted to make her laugh, get her out of the the sadness and the funk that she was in. So um, I thought it'd be funny to have her dress up like we basically re reenacted the, the death row greatest hits album cover of Tupac, <laughs> Tupac, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Suge Knight. So I had to throw on, throw on all these gold chains. Um, we put on some bandanas and we threw up the West side logos with our hands and the rest is pretty, pretty much history. Now I've since then I've had her do videos and pictures and I basically have her say <laughs> things that are highly inappropriate and 
And uh, she says them and it's kind of turned into a pretty big buzz. And so we're actually working on right now, it's going to going to finally happen this year where I'm getting a production company to film a rap video. <laughs> so we're going to do our first rap video. She's going to sing, she's going to sing like the hook. I'm going to do the rap and I'm going to feature like 20, 30, 40 of my closest friends. And it's going to be a video that's going to be priceless. So I'm looking forward to that. Do you, do you conceptually know what you're going to rap about yet? Do you know what the subject matter is going to be? I don't. Um, it probably will have to do with um, something inappropriate, but I, just, I haven't really <laughs> thought of it yet. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 so stay, stay tuned. I'm, I'm going to have uh, somebody create a Instagram profile for my grandmother leading up to the video so that she can get some followers, start making some posts, you know, get on that, get on that gram life. You know what I'm saying? Before, yeah. we, before we get into the video, there's that, um, there's that one app that Gary V talks about as of recently. It's like the, um, Music, musically, I think it was. Uh, there's a lot of people who are using this app musically. I think you and your grandmother could you, uh, leverage that platform now if you guys want to just do some song and dance kind of routines on a, on an app. But anyway, that's uh, that's something that Gary Vee is pushing for right now that people adopt musically and, and test it out and being on a young evolving platform to see where it goes. But that's cool and interesting. I mean, that's, um, that's exactly what Gary V talks about. And Chris and I are both Gary V fans. And, um, one of the things that he always talks about is making sure that you're building a personal brand. And Chris is definitely building a personal brand and he's being unique and genuine to himself. Uh, about uh, about what he's doing and who he's involving in his life and all sorts of different things. But let's fast forward to when you fell on your face. Let's uh, let's talk about that challenge, Chris. Like what what was that challenge? What what was really impactful for you? And what was what was it about that experience that made you feel like you fell on your face? And, and what was the actual experience itself? So I had a lot of like most young men do, uh, especially I would say young men like myself that um, are competitive and want to be on top of the world at a young age. I, I never really thought of myself as a quote unquote businessman. All I knew was I was ultra competitive and I wanted to go places in life. That's all I knew. So it wasn't like I knew what profession I was going to go down. I didn't have a certain dream to, to be in a certain career field. But the second that I met, met with those two guys that own this mortgage company, it just immediately in my mind, I said, I'm about to crush it. I'm going to make a ton of money. And that's all I knew. So I had a lot of pride. <laughs> um, there was, you know, some ego. And I, I actually remember calling my mom and my sister because my at the time, my sister uh, was my mom's full time assistant in real estate. My mom's a highly successful real estate agent here in Sacramento, Elk Grove. Uh, everyone knows my mom. She's been doing it now for just shy of 40 years. And during this time when I joined this uh, this mortgage company, um, my mom was just crushing it. I mean, she was probably closing somewhere between 90 to a hundred deals a year on top of the world. Um, and I remember calling my mom and my sister saying, I got a job in the mortgage business and you guys just watch out. I'm about to make a ton of money and I'm going to kill it. And it's going to be amazing. Um, my mom was really supportive. She was very happy for me. And I don't know, there was just something internally that 
I felt I had to prove to myself and to the world and to my mom that I was going to make it without asking for help from my mother. That was a big deal for me. So that's where the pride comes in is probably the conventional way to go was why don't you just sit down with your mom? She knows everybody. She's been doing real estate forever. I'm sure she she knows probably somebody in the mortgage business if that's what you're looking to do that she can refer to you. But that's not what I did. And I just wanted to show myself and show everyone that I can I can do this on my own. Well, I, I had no idea that these two guys were actually very shady guys. They were shady characters and they were scamming a lot of innocent homeowners into doing refinances that did not make sense for them. Um, I was promised X amount of training. I didn't get the training. Uh, the, the office environment was really hostile. There was another guy in there that was working for them that once I showed up, um, I don't know, it felt like we were in a jungle and he, I was stepping on his territory. And so I got into some pretty brutal arguments with this guy and it was just really bad. I only closed like, I think two deals in seven months. So financially, I was losing money. Uh, I was already broke as it was because I was a 19-year-old guy that just turned 20. So 20 years old, living in Midtown, I barely had any money. I was living off of credit cards. Um, And honestly, it was just a a very humbling experience because the end result was after about month number eight or month nine, I, I knew I had to get out of there. And so I quit and I went to my mom with my tail between my legs and you know, she's, she's the, the role model. She's the businesswoman, uh, you know, very successful, very successful person in my family, the most successful person, uh, in our family. Um, so I just asked her, I said, who do you know that you can refer me to that's in the mortgage company that I can get, maybe get a second chance with. So, um, my mom did end up referring me to somebody that she knew. I interviewed with him and his company. He owned a local small mortgage company out of East Sacramento. Um, I didn't know it then, but I probably know it now that probably one of the reasons that he hired me instantly was because he knew that if he hired me, he would probably get all of my mom's business because I happen to be her son. (laughs) Um, but regardless, he hired me. Um, and my life pretty much was turned upside down after that moment. Um, big shout out to Neil Smith, NKS Financial out in East Sacramento. Still, uh, his his shop is not the same location, but pretty close away. Uh, I worked for him for about three years. And during that time, um, I remember it vividly when I, when I, when I interviewed with him. He said, do you read books? And I said, no. Um, he said, all right, well, I just want to set the stage right now. If you come and work for me, you're going to be, be reading books all the time. So get ready for that. Um, secondly, he's like, what do you, like, what do you do in regards to like leadership and self-development? I'm like, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. Um, and so he invested a lot into me. Um, I call him my, my guru, my, my sensei. Um, because at that time I was just a young 20 year old punk. You know, um, and that three years was to me, my schooling, it was my college, so to speak. Um, he was a, a, a client in a coaching company called the core training, which is really the top number one training, uh, coaching 
company for successful realtors and successful lenders across the nation. Um, and so he was paying two to $3,000 a month to be coached by the core training. And I got to work on those systems and I got to learn all of those things with him at a young age. And so very beneficial, uh, got heavily into self-help, self-leadership books. Um, and that's what kind of sparked my journey, so to speak. I, um, did that for about three years. I was basically a loan officer's assistant. That was my position. I did a lot of back office stuff, a lot of marketing, a lot of annual reviews for his clients. I got to learn the business inside and out, not just on the mortgage side, but on the real, real estate side. I, um, got to learn what it was like to network with other realtors because that's where we were getting all of our business from. For the most part, we're, we're from purchase business that was being referred to us by real estate agents. And, uh, that was it, man. Did that, that's kind of what sparked the journey. And then got a phone call from my mom in 2004. And she said, what do you think about getting your real estate license and coming and working with me on my team doing real estate? So I thought that that was unique opportunity. I never really thought that I'd go work with my mom in real estate, but I talked to Neil about it. He said that he thought it would be a good opportunity for me. And, and so that was it. I got my real estate license and went, went and worked with my mom. So two questions here. So I have one follow-up question about the the mortgage thing. Did you ever find out what happened to those two shady guys? Did they ever, did they go into the whole subprime mortgage fiasco or, or do you not know, have any idea what happened to those guys? Um, I know their, I know their first names. I actually, I know one of the guys full names, but I lost contact with them. And I guess the, the short answer is I, I don't, I don't know what happened to them, but if you watch that movie, big short verbatim, I was in the middle of it. Wow. So this is like, I, you didn't need your, your license during that time, you can actually do loans under somebody else's license. So just just think about that. I had no training. I was 19 years old. I didn't need a license. And I was, they were sending out somewhere between 20 to 30,000 mailers a month to these homeowners. Um, and yeah, man, I, I, I'm, it's safe to say that the chances of those guys ending up in jail uh, is probably a, a good chance. I know that Towards the end of it, when I left, those two guys were fighting constantly. And so I don't know what ended up happening to them, but that was during the heyday where you were, people were doing what we, what I like to call made up loans, you know, loans that should not even have, have existed. A lot of subprime loans, a lot of refine, like FHA streamlined refinances. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know where they're at, but they're probably, uh, they're probably not doing loans. Let's, let's just put it out. <laughs> right. And then um, my, my second question was, how did that feel going into that time of working with your mom after you were like gung-ho, like I'm going to do this on my own, I'm going to be independent? What did it feel like to go from doing that to working directly with her? It was a humbling experience because, like I said, it's just, I, I don't know, maybe everyone's different, but speaking for myself, I wanted to be a man. And I wanted to prove to myself and prove to my mom that I, I didn't have to necessarily ask her for help. I wanted to show her, Hey, look, I can be successful. And I want to, and I want to show you, uh, just 
that I can do this. Um, so it was a little, you know, a little humbling, but at the end of the day, you know, I wouldn't have changed anything. My mom was incredibly supportive and really helpful, you know, and it, it, it didn't turn into one of these things where she was like, I told you so, or any of that. She just was a loving mom and yeah. gave me a couple references and it all kind of worked out. Chris's mom, Tracy, she's probably one of the sweetest ladies that I've ever met. It's just really awesome. Chris's, Chris's family is amazing. They're just amazing people. So he comes from a good home. He's got Italian roots. So, you know, he's got that, that warm heart. Um, but, um, anyway, yeah. And he's got a tattoo of it on his, on his bicep there actually, um, uh, of the Italian flag. But anyway, so you started, you started working with your mom in real estate and you, what were some of the, the, biggest challenges and what were some of the biggest successes in working with your mom? Like describe what that experience was like. Yeah. So my mom and I are wired very similar in the sense that we, we have very little patience. We are activators. We like making things happen. We're very competitive. We don't like taking instruction from other people. Um, we, we have entrepreneurial spirits. And so it was unique to say the least. Um, for those that knew us that were around us during those times, I'm sure if they are listening to this right now, they'll be probably laughing hysterically. Um, because not to sugarcoat it, we got into a lot of fights and a lot of arguments and it was, it was just really hard separating the mother son relationship from I'm your boss, I'm your mentor. Um, not to mention that it wasn't like I was joining her team fresh with zero ideas. I mean, I just came from spending almost three to four years working in the mortgage business in which three of the years was with a top producing loan officer that I learned a lot of information from. So I came to work with my mom wanting to share all these things with her, but I think it was a little, um, she was just kind of taken back from, seeing her young son that she's probably looking at like, this is my little boy and he's coming into my world trying to implement things. I don't think that's, you know, that that's not going to fly with me. Um, so it was, it was a process. That's what I say. It was a process. My mom, um, taught me a, a whole lot. My mom, I love her for how she taught me. She taught me not by holding my hand and sitting down with me and training me. She taught me by saying, go and fall on your face. And then when you're done failing, I'll tell you what you did wrong and how you can learn and grow from it. Um, so that to me, it made me learn a lot quicker. Um, so I learned a lot. Um, I was my mom's buyer's agent from 2006, I'm sorry, from 2005 to uh, the end of 2007. So um, about two and a half, three years is about how long we worked together. Um, and yeah, learned a lot, no hard feelings. It just, we got to a point where I was ready to go off on my own. My mom and I wanted to conserve our mother-son relationship because if I, I feel if we kept on working together, we were going to grow further apart as just family. Yeah, uh, if that if that makes sense. So yeah, it's it's hard doing business. It's hard doing business with family, and it's not easy. And um, so that's that's why 
we decided to go separate ways. What was the what was one of the biggest blowups that you guys have had? I, that's a good question, Mr. Ayerson. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there's not a specific one, but I will tell you uh, this is a story. Hopefully, if my mom's if my mom is listening to this, she'll get a she'll get a laugh out of it because <laughs> it definitely wasn't funny. When, it definitely wasn't funny when it was happening. But um, we would normally argue quite often, and we we were. At our uh, brokerage, which was uh, Keller Williams Realty out of Elk Grove at the time, and we were getting into it, having an argument, and it it escalated, and it got to the point where we were, I think, screaming at each other. And I'll never forget this, but this agent at our office flew down the hall, opened the door, and like the look on his face and his eyes were just bulging because he thought that somebody was like being hurt, and I mean, he was like literally busted through the door like he was about to save somebody and i remember my mom and i just looked at him and we're like he's like is everything okay i'm like we're, we're like yeah we're just yes we're just we're just having an argument <laughs> and, and so literally after that happened the light bulb kind of went off i was like this isn't healthy yep you know what i mean like this is just not healthy yep. like 100 um we, we sh- I shouldn't be talking to my mom this way. We shouldn't be communicating this way. And if we have people that are literally f- like thinking that, that somebody is being physically hurt from how we're talking to one another um, and we're disrupting other people's time at the office because of it, probably not a good idea. So that was pretty much the, the last stick right there for us, um, the last straw. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've supported each other immensely. My mom's probably one of my biggest supporters. Um, when I decided to go off my own, it wasn't, you know, it was all love, you know, all love. And just by that coincidence that when I broke away from her, it was 2008 and that <laughs> 2008 is when the market crashed. So I officially get to say that the year that I decided to go off on my own, the, we had the worst real estate market crash in history. Yeah, dude, that was, that's nuts. Like, so what was it like from your perspective? That was crazy. I didn't really know. I didn't know anything different, though. That was the beauty of it is that it was the equivalent of, OK, I'm starting a business and this is how it is. Uh, there's foreclosures and short sales. So pull up your pants, you know, be a big boy and get on with it or get out of real estate. It was cut and dry. Um, so I started a business networking group, BNI Sacramento Midtown, uh, within two months. So that chapter uh, was established by myself and a good friend of mine, Sean Krause, uh, who's a loan officer at Big Valley Mortgage. Um, so we started that chapter in 2008 because I knew ultimately I needed to start building relationships, getting my name out there and not just rely on the activities activities I was doing, which were pretty much, I was doing two, three, maybe four open houses a week. Um, and I was doing a lot of canvassing. I was printing up these black and white flyers that talked about how I can save your home from foreclosure by doing what's called a short sale. Uh, so I was canvassing a lot of houses. Um, and yeah, I just, I just had to get to work, man. So it was crazy. I think from 2008 to 2010. So during that, during those three years, I closed somewhere around 75 short sales. So I didn't really know what it was like to do an equity sale, a normal traditional equity sale. So, um, I'd get these short sale listings and it would be three, four, five months before I got paid on them. So I'd have to stack up a lot of them and 
live within my means because I knew that I wouldn't have a paycheck for like, you know, three to four months. Yeah. And then you just have to like, when you get that paycheck, you just got to save as much of it as you can and, and for the dry season until you get the next one, right? So that's what a smart person would do. Like for, yeah, you know, like, you know, like I didn't have a financial advisor and I, I, you know, coincidentally, I like, I, I ended up making pretty good money during that year. My, like my first year on my own. So, um, instead of like plucking it away into a bank account or being really diligent with it, um, I ended up just traveling. I, I remember I went to Vietnam, uh, for a month, went backpacking with my buddy, Sean. That was like one of my, my first big trips. I did go to Brazil a couple years before that. That was like my first out of country trip with some friends of mine, but um, no, I mean, if, if you want the, the, the candid, no sugar coated response on that, I started making money and I started spending a lot of it. I was spending it as quick as, a, as, as, a, as I was making it. So, um, we'll, I guess we'll maybe get to that a little bit later in the podcast, but no, I was not living within my means. I was doing my best to, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. No, let's just, just do it now. <laughs> just do it. Just do it now. Like, <laughs> just pull the bandaid off now. Yeah. No, um, I. It took me probably almost four to five years until I until I really started doing what I was supposed to be doing with my money. Uh, so, what does that mean? Well, it means that I wasn't paying my taxes. It means that I was making money and buying things that were fun and uh, material items. I was traveling and I don't regret traveling. It's just, it got to a point that right around 2012, 2013, when I really started, you know, growing my real estate team and, you know, getting a little bit more successful that I had a sit down conversation with my CPA and he was like, this is, this just isn't effective. It's not efficient. You know, you, (laughs) I think at the time I I owed about $75,000 in back taxes. Oh, wow. I had massive credit card debt. It's like I was making two to $300,000 a year, but I had nothing to show for it. Um, and so I quickly got a hold of that and got caught up and, you know, I like to say that I'm a slow learner. So, um, you know, I'm quick to fail, which is good, but I'm, I'm a slow learner in other aspects of my life. Uh, hence the fact I'm 34 turning 35 next month. And I'm one of the few people in my, in my circle of friends that's not married. I don't have any children and that's not by design. (laughs) You know, I, I definitely want to get married. I definitely want to have kids. It's just, like I said, I'm a slow learner. It's taken me a a little bit longer to, to, uh, work through all the kinks. So what are some of the biggest misconceptions about real estate agents and the real estate industry as a whole? So I think some of the common misconceptions, I think the general public, I think a large part of the general public thinks that if you're a real estate agent, you make a lot of money. So there's that. Number two, there, there's also a generalization that real estate agents are just a more polished version of a used car sale, used car salesman. So, um, so that's, I think that's a pretty common misconception. And then the other misconception I feel for a lot of people that want to get into real estate is that you get your real estate license, you become a realtor. And because of all these TV shows that you watch, you know, million dollar listing agent or your friends, uncles, cousins, brother-in-law works in Los Angeles and makes all this money that you just, I think people think that they get a real estate license and they're going to make a lot of money. 
So to me, those are the common misconceptions because I definitely know uh, quite a few real estate agents that are the furthest thing away from used car salesmen. Uh, some of the most incredible business minds that I've ever been been around are in the real estate business. Um, and I also know that it's definitely not an easy business to get into and just start succeeding in. It's a lot of hard work, just like within any business. But I feel from looking at real estate where where it's at now in 2018 versus where it was when I got into it back in 2005, completely night and day, completely night and day. And a lot of that has to do with technology. It has to do with social media. It has to do with just millennials. Um, I just feel nowadays to be successful in real estate, it's way harder than it was 10 years ago. Why is it so much more difficult now than it used to be? Well, I want, yeah. So I will say this for the, for the real estate agents that have, and I think this goes for any business. If you've been, if you've been doing it for 20 plus years, chances are you've established a pretty good client database. And regardless of millennials or technology, regardless of any of it, if you, if you have good business practices, you should, you should be able to make a good living doing it because you've built up such a huge reputation and you've been doing it for so long. Like I, I like to say that the sweet spot for my career was right around year number 10. So what is, why is that significant? Well, it's significant because I feel it takes about 10 years before you start seeing a lot of repeat business. That's when you start seeing repeat customers. You see a lot of people that they buy and sell homes usually after the sixth, seventh, maybe eighth year of owning it. Um, and that's in some cases, that's just, it takes, takes time. You know what I mean? But I think it was a little easier back then just because we didn't have, um, the amount of agents that were in it now versus back then is completely, you know, different. Um, but I think now there's so many people that are wanting to get into real estate and they're taking the same approach that everyone else is taking when it comes to social media. And I think consumers on a whole are seeing through that. Um, and so to be different, to really stand out, that's why I'm a big fan of Gary V. That's why I've followed Gary V like avidly over the past three and a half, four years. That's why I've read all of his books, got a chance to meet him. Like I'm a big Gary V fan because the stuff that he talks about and the stuff he's doing, I just don't see a lot of real estate agents doing it. I just don't. Um, and so that's why I've done my best to adopt some of his principles because the reality is the way that the internet and technology are set up right now, they're set up to kick the realtor out of the deal, period, end of story. And so I think if unless agents really catch on to that, they're probably not going to have a, a long shelf life in this business. And that didn't exist 10, 20 years ago, you know, 10, 20 years ago, just observing my mom do it. She didn't have a ton of competition, you know, advertising was in the form of a billboard and newsletters, and bench ads, you know, and bench ads and, and traditional marketing that quite frankly sucks nowadays. And, I just laugh when I see people still doing the same type of marketing that they were doing 20 years ago. Cause the reality is, is it's, it's just not efficient. Right. Um, so anyways, I can kind of get onto my soapbox with this particular topic, but, um, I do my best to stay mindful of it. Um, and we'll see how, we'll see how it all turns out. But I definitely think 
the way that people buy homes and the way that people sell homes in 2020 is going to be insane. And I think the result of it is there's going to be probably half of our industry, if not more, that's going to suffer from it. And they're probably going to get out of the business. In terms of technology, where do you see it going? Because you mentioned it it could be phasing real estate agents out of the deal completely. How do you foresee that possibly happening? And then for the real estate agents that are still somehow involved in the deal, what role do you see them playing? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a, I do not have a crystal ball, but this is just, this is where I think it's going is I think you're going to have much, much, much more um, people that are looking to sell their home that are going to be able to use so many tools that they can get from technology, online tools, that's going to present them with a pretty dialed in market evaluation for their home, right? When it comes to marketing, all of these tools are probably going to be available for them from, you know, advertising, taking photos of their home. And it's probably going to be bundled up into this one beautiful, quick and easy little package in which they're going to be able to save 70 to 80% of what they would normally pay for a realtor to do it all for them. So, I mean, I don't think it's a matter of if, it's just a matter of when that's going to happen. Um, because, I don't know, tech, for us to see how long we've, how far we've come with technology, it's just a matter of time. From the buying, from the buying standpoint, I feel that there's so much, so many things in place right now for a buyer to buy a home sight unseen. You know, the, you have from the Google glasses, I don't know what they're called. Um, I'm probably going to put my foot in my mouth right now because I actually, funny enough, I do not stay on top of all of the gadgets like I should, but that's why I keep people around me. Like, you know, shout out to my assistant, Michaela, she's 22. So, you know, when it comes to like, what are all of the, the younger folks doing? She'll report back to me. I keep people around, around me that will uh, keep me up to speed on this, but yeah, I mean, um, Real quick, sorry. Uh, Michaela helped Chris get his uh, headphones and everything set up before the podcast episode. We were having a little trouble with that, so she got them on. She got she got them all set up and, and ready. Sorry, Chris. You know, is that that's so is that so cute? We're, we're going to save five minutes for this podcast, and when we get to tell everyone how I actually taught you how to talk to women, that was a very big <laughs> stage in your life where. I met you, I think you were like, what, 22 years old? And you, it was this uh, cute process. So you will, we'll bust your chops a little bit later on that for, <laughs> for calling me out. Um, yeah. But, but no, yeah. So yeah, technology, what I was saying with the, on the buying side is you're just going to see a, a big population of home buyers that are going to be able to view a property, 3D virtual whatever you, you know, whatever you can think of is probably, probably going to be available to a buyer and it's going to allow them to potentially cut that agent out of the mix. So, you know, where, what does that look like for the average realtor? Really what it looks like is just being aware of it. And just like Gary V says, it's, you know, not a matter of if it's a matter of when. So it's, be ahead of the curve. You know what I mean? Like be open to it. And what I see in our world, I don't really see the resistance or the pushback with realtors that are like in their twenties or thirties. I see it more with the agents that have been in the business for 15, 20 plus years that are just completely not open to change. They don't want to grasp it. They don't want to talk about it. You know, these are obviously human beings that are not millennials. Um, 
And when the market changes, I, I, I feel those are going to be the, the big, the first wave of agents that are going to be affected by it the most. For you personally, though, like if you think about it, um, this shift in technology for basically kind of pushing the agent out, how do you see yourself riding that curve in a way that it makes sense for you to stay relevant, to stay around? Like even if you're not technically the agent in in the transaction, like how are you still part of it? Like how do you like how do you see yourself in that equation still? Are you not in the equation Adapt, bitch. That was my my that was my vet my best Gary V impression right there. Adapt, bitch. Um, I mean that's that's what we're doing. We're just how do I see myself a part of it? Is we're just going to continuously, continuously adapt and make sure that we're staying on top of what the latest and greatest technology that that you can think about. I mean, currently, right now. I'm very, very blessed that a huge book of my, my book of business, a huge piece of it are from business referrals. So I'm, I'm very heavy when it comes to my relationship building with other business professionals. Um, not just that I do get a lot of past client referrals. So our team probably only closes about maybe 15%, somewhere between 10 to 15% of our transactions are closed from website internet leads. Uh, so those are people that are searching online for homes and then we capture their information and then we convert them as a client. Um, so I, I think the big thing is just staying ahead of the current, um, being completely adaptable and making sure that we're open to these things and, you know, catching it before it catches us really. Right. Yeah. I mean, that'll be interesting to see what happens, like, especially with, with apps and stuff like that. Like if you got more stuff like Trulia and, um, all those other different real estate apps out there who completely remove an agent from the picture to see how that kind of evolves and changes. But, um, how does your image play a role in, in being a real estate agent? Well, my process is, so I know that if you were here, this is, this is, this is why I, the only positive of you being in Southern California is that you're not close enough to me to slap me in my face because <laughs> the, the Sean Ireton I know would never let me leave the house unless I was fresh to death, like fitted from the top to the bottom. You know what I'm saying? Like I've had many conversations with you and you're my, you're my fashion consultant. I've purchased tons of outfits and clothes from you. Um, and you're my, you're my guy, you know what I mean? So, um, but usually, usually my theory is unless I'm sitting down with a client, I'm, I'm a little bit more on the casual side. So I keep a sports coat in, in my truck because you never know on the drop of a dime uh, if you're going to get a phone call from a seller or a buyer that you haven't met with. And I don't just want to show up, you know, in jeans and a shirt. Um, but I, th I do think that we, we have changed. And what I mean by that is your standard, I'm wearing a suit to work every day, at least from the big population of clients that we work with, we work with a lot of 20 and 30 year olds. Um, those are our, our prime age of first time buyers or even people that are looking to buy, sell their first home that they purchased and move up to another property. I would say about 70% of our clientele are between the age group of 20 and 30. And they just prefer to work with a little bit more of 
laid back, casual. I think maybe if they see you in a full suit from head to toe every single day, um, it might be a little off-putting to them. Not to mention that I feel the way you dress has a lot to do with your city. What do you think about that, Sean? Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely does. You, climate has has a lot to do with that as well. I mean, in Sacramento, you you have you have higher temperatures for a majority of the year. LA is more even keeled throughout the year. I mean, in summer it does get pretty damn hot, but are you talking about more in terms of the demographic of people or are you talking about climate? Like I was talking about, I'm thinking more demographic, but I mean, I think climate plays a role. I guess what I'm saying is like, if I was doing real estate in Miami, like there's no way in the world that I would be dressing like I dress right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm literally two to three days a week. I'm wearing jeans and like a Lululemon button up polo. You know, like that's, that's my attire. I keep it. It's like just professional enough to get by in. But if you're like in places like Miami, you know, Los Angeles, Huntington beach, you know, these, and it's nothing bad over Sacramento. I'm a fourth generation Sacramento. And I just feel overall, you know, we live in a land full of state workers and, and it's not the sexiest city in the world and it's a little bit more laid back. So, um, I don't know if that's like my excuse for dressing (laughs) for having casual, casual dress days, but, um, but when I'm going on listing appointments, when I'm meeting people for the first time, I'm definitely wearing my custom fitted clothes. A lot of my, a lot of my button ups that I've purchased off you, um, you know, my suits, you know, so, um, definitely like to make that first impression. And it's just a fact, like my, my showing agent, Justin, who I work with, he, he wears a suit every day religiously. Um, and he's going to get really pissed off when he hears this podcast, but the suits and the business clothes he wears, I I'm pretty sure he got them from the late eighties, early nineties. I'm just guessing. And I told him like, dude, when you get your first suit by my boy, Sean at new inspiration, when we fit you up and you, you know, he wants to lose a little bit of weight right now. When you are in custom fitted clothes, when you're in a tailored suit, your confidence goes through the roof. You're more confident and you just feel better. You know what I mean? And so I definitely think that that does play into our business and people see that and people feel that. So, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's, and I did one other episode about this concept called enclosed cognition where it's like super sciency, but, um, it's basically just the feeling that you get, the self-confidence that you feel like all, all the emotions that go with dressing well and dressing the part in essence is, is how confident you feel in that. So for example, um, there's a study done a while back and forgive me if I fudge the numbers a little bit, but, but ballpark, they did like a study with a few different real estate agent groups. So like one group of real estate agents, uh, was the control group and they were just neutral. They came in to the study wearing whatever they were wearing. And a lot of it was like jeans, t-shirt, um, jeans and a button up type deal. The other two groups, there was the guys wearing like full three-piece and two-piece suits. And then there was another group who was wearing sandals and like flip-flops and sweatpants and sweaters and stuff like that. Um, The group that was in the three-piece suits, they averaged about between one and and three million 
in commission for like doing commercial properties. So they were like selling off a warehouse or whatever it was. Um, and then the control group, they did like, uh, 0.65 million or something like that. It was, it was much lower. And then the guys in the sweat, uh, the hoodies and the flip flops and stuff, they were around like six to 800 K commission. So it's like, it all comes down to that self-confidence level that you feel. And their succession rates were higher too, for the, for the sandals and the flip-flops. They're willing to, obviously, you know what that means, but for those who don't, it's, it's when you're willing to go down on price in order to make the sale because you don't either want to deal with it or maybe somebody's being too complicated, but the guys in the suits, they were willing to budge less on price. Um, so which is why that they had higher commissions because they had more self-confidence in themselves. They had more confidence in their abilities because of the clothes that they're wearing gave them this feeling of, um, expertise and, and just knowing what the hell they're doing. So, um, it's, you know, just a testament to what you're talking about. You just completely, you just feel completely different when you wear something really, really nice compared to when you're wearing something that's not so nice. Facts. Say that. Say that right now. That part. Facts. Facts. Say that. When you're wearing no. something. No? No? <laughs> no, no, no. Say that. Yeah, you, I got to get you up on the lingo, dog. Yeah, I know. When I say <laughs> say that, I was just, that's just me putting an exclamation point on what you just said. <laughs> Oh my gosh, he's 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 more into hip hop than I am lately, which is which is weird because I thought I was super into hip hop. I'm into uh, different hip hop now. Like I'm into more of that God speaking, some of that Christian hip hop. Shout out yeah. to Lecrae, you know what I'm saying? Like I I still like last night I watched that on that Netflix that David that says Lacroix, not Lecrae. <laughs> I just um, I just showed him my uh, my Lacroix water that I'm drinking right now. Anyway, Lecrae. Yeah. For anyone listening to this podcast, if you have not heard of Lecrae, L-E-C-R-A-E, he is amazing and he speaks the truth and he he's this music that is, uh, you know, it's, it's Christian hip hop, but you wouldn't, it's just crazy, man. It's just really good. But yeah, I'm just in a different place. Like last night I watched this David Letterman's doing those Netflix series and I saw Jay-Z was on it and it was Mm. just, it was just honestly like crazy listening to, to and hearing what jay-z had to say because it's like talk about just a different person with a different story you know um and i think that's what it's all about it's all about evolving you know the the stuff that i was listening to and feeding myself when i was in my young 20s as far as music is concerned is a little bit different than where i'm at in my mid-30s you know i'm definitely hitting a place now where my my uh my what i my mind, my heart, a lot of it, I want it to be God focused. You know what I mean? And if I, you know, I said this to somebody the other day, like if I'm listening to G easy and Drake all day, chances are I'm going to be thinking about the stuff that they're talking about, which really doesn't bring me anything. If that makes sense. Like, you know, I don't know, like, taking advantage, taking advantage of women in clubs, doing drugs and partying all night. I'm just going to keep it as gangster as I can keep it. Probably isn't it in alignment with where I'm at in my life right now. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny is cause I, I still listen to a lot of that stuff, but <laughs> that's, that's it. it's not even in alignment with what I got going on. It's, it's funny. Um, just speaks to different things, right? Like we, we all, 
pull out different experiences out of what we listen to and we relate to things in different ways. And it's interesting because you're more on the, on the literal sense of, of thinking about the music and, and what it's feeding you. Whereas like, whereas me, like when I'm listening to it, I, I, I try to pull from those experiences and what can I not do? You know, it's like, this is all the stuff that they're talking about that I don't want to do. So let me do pretty much the exact opposite of that. Um, and I think I'll be in better shape. So interesting how we, we all kind of learn in different ways, but, um, so that, that brings me to this mission trip. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about your spirituality and and what took you on that trip and, and, um, you know, like, why did you want to do it? And, and, and what did you do down there in Mexicali? Yeah. So my, my story is, um, I mean, I didn't grow up a certain way. I, I don't know. I, I'm not even going to say that I grew up a Christian because my family and I went to church maybe once a year if we were lucky. Um, and there were plenty of years that we didn't, didn't go to church on Christmas and Easter or the big holidays. So, um, yeah, I mean, God, spirituality, religion, whatever you want to call it was, completely not in my life growing up as a kid. Um, I did kind of dabble in it when I was in my young twenties, went to a church in Elk Grove. Um, that was, um, basically I, I had a, a, a guy that I was working with in the insurance business. He kind of befriended me. He had a couple small kids and I don't know, just thought that he can be a good role model mentor in my life, but I just didn't have that connection. Um, and, didn't really, I guess we can say that it wasn't my time, so to speak. Um, so fast forward many years later, it was, wasn't until about three years ago, um, that I got introduced to Bayside Midtown, um, from a very good friend of mine, Rochelle Adranya. What's up, Rochelle? Um, she was incredibly successful team leader of the Keller Williams Sacramento office. She moved here from Los Angeles, was working in real estate out in Beverly Hills, Los Angeles area. Um, and she's an uberly, uberly successful still, owns a lot of uh, real estate properties, runs an Airbnb property management business, does real estate at a high level. Um, but yeah, we went on a hike one day. She asked me if I believed in God. I was like, I believe in many gods, but sure, of course I do. Um, and she's like, you should come check out this church. It's in Midtown. So I checked it out and the rest is history, man. I just, the spirit just kind of came over me. Um, the pastor at our church, Bob Ballion, um, just kind of really spoke to my heart. Um, I didn't know what nationality he was when I first saw him for the first time, but I'm just drawn more to diverse ethnic backgrounds. I feel more comfortable, more at home around African-American people, Latinos. Uh, I don't know. It's just maybe it was during that four year period that I lived in South Sacramento uh, and the bonds that I that I had with some of the people and friends that, from South Sacramento. Um, not sure what it is, but um, at Bayside Midtown, it's just a really, really diverse church. Um, and so, yeah, went to, went to church there and um, it was during that time, I was playing in a basketball league in West Sacramento with some with some guys that I just met and then found out that one of the guys on my team was also going to Bayside Midtown. And once we found out that we were both going to it, we just we just started going to church together and we formed a very tight relationship. And before you know it, I'm now involved in a small group. So 
So I'm going to a, a small group every week with this guy named Armando um, and his wife and, and some of their close friends from the church. And then my walk with God just really, really started taking off. Uh, I got baptized last year, and uh, that was a huge, huge moment in my life. And um, yeah, as far as the Mexico trip, I've been hearing about it for the last couple of years. I, I've been doing a lot of stuff with with the youth. I do a lot of fundraising and do I mentor um, this young man named Jamal who used to go to an elementary school called Leah Tata Floyd. Our church is heavily involved with that school, and so. I just feel like where God has me right now is in ministry and spending time with kids and and making disciples, you know, and spending time with kids. And so the Mexico trip to me was a no-brainer. Um, when it comes to my construction background, I think my dad is probably laughing his ass off from heaven uh, <laughs> because – I might be in real estate, but I do not know how to swing a hammer. Um, <laughs> and when it comes to manual labor, like manual labor and Chris Saison just don't go hand in hand. So, and, and to throw also that little curveball of I have no patience. So just, I want you to just real quick, close your eyes and think about me driving a, a truck with high school kids. 15, 16, 18 hours from Sacramento all the way through the border into Mexicali, okay? And then getting there and spending this time in these tents, we, there was 18 of us in one huge military army tent, okay? All these freaking 15, 16, 17-year-olds snoring up a storm and being kids and then waking up at 6.30 in the morning every day and literally doing construction until five o'clock. And we did that for a week. So that was pretty much, <laughs> that was pretty much Mexicali in a nutshell, but I, I can't even put, put into words how much it affected me. You know what I mean? Like I got to grow these bonds with these kids. Um, we got to just take in gospel every day and I got to see, a couple kids come to God for the first time in their life. Um, when we built the house for this family, it was like a family of five. And when we were done building the house, we got to honor them and give them keys to their new house. I was bawling, you know, sobbing my eyes out. The family was crying. And, you know, you really just get to get removed from what we have. Like we're doing this podcast right now in the comfort of our office, our home, we have air conditioners. I'm sure we're steps away from running water, running toilets. And these are just things that I'm sharing right now that they have nothing. They don't have any of that. They don't have air conditioners. They don't have running toilets. They have outhouses. Um, and so the things that we take for granted, you know, these are things that that it's just normal everyday life for them. So it was just a really cool experience getting outside of my own comfort and getting to serve and serve God at a high level. And, and, uh, it's honestly something that I'm going to definitely do every year now going forward. It's so Sean, maybe I can nominate you. Maybe while we're on this podcast right now, I can have your buy-in. Are you going to go to Mexico with me next year? That would be awesome. I'm taking, is that a hard yes? So hard. Yes. Gotcha. I'll, I'll write your name. Down. <laughs> so here's, 
I want to kind of wrap things up here with um, with the insight and and some of the some of the thoughts that you have for people who are looking to get into real estate or real estate investing. And assuming that whoever is listening to this uh, has no knowledge of real estate, uh, they're completely green to the subject. Um, let's first start with people who want to become an agent. What are some of the things that they need to keep in mind when going out and venturing into this industry? Um, some of the things to look out for and maybe some of the things that can make them successful to just just get started in their first couple of years. So let's start with that. Yeah. So are you basically just some insight looking to get started? I mean, I'm going to keep it completely old school. I feel that if anyone's looking to get into real estate, investing, like I flip homes on the side. I don't, I don't do a lot of it. My goal is to flip two to three homes a year. Um, I got one that I'm doing right now, but whatever that looks like, I think the biggest thing is find somebody that has done it for a long time. That is very successful and set up a time to have coffee with them. You know, whatever that looks like, you know, we listen to on the Gary V stuff, on the social media stuff that he talks about, he talks about adding value. You know, don't, don't just ask for something like bring value to that person. So that's where I would start is, you know, really go after or find that person, um, and pick their brain, ask them what, ask them what they're looking, you know, what type of advice they would have, you know, if they were getting into the business. Um, I meet with, I meet with people all the time. Um, sit down with them. And I'd be glad to do that for anyone that's listening on this podcast that's has any, you know, aspirations to, to get into real estate, investing, flipping, whatever, send me an email, you know, let me know. I'll, I'd be happy to sit down with you and, and, uh, kind of lead you down the right, right, right direction. Cool. So like, here's one question that I have though. This is like, I'm sure young guys, the guys who are 19, 20, you know, like young Chris and wanting to get into real estate. And some of them would be concerned about like, well, what if I get a client who's in his forties or fifties, who knows a lot more about real estate than I do? How am I going to sell his property or help him find a property? If he just thinks I'm some young kid who doesn't know anything, like how, how would they approach that kind of situation? You know, I, I think a lot of it is just in, confidence is the biggest thing. You know, I've, I've been there, like I've been there and I know what it, I know what it looks like being this. I was actually talking about it the other day with my team and we were getting a big joke out of it. If you look at my real estate picture, when I joined my mom, I was about 30 pounds less than I weigh now. I was really skinny. I had spiky hair. Like I just did this really cool spiky hair look and I had a really big blonde soul, <laughs> soul patch. And so like, I've seen those. Yeah, like, like if you look at this, it's like, who is this kid? And like, why would I take him seriously? You know what I mean? I was, I was a wreck. You know what I mean? Like, what was I thinking? You know? Um, but one thing that I had, that I think trumped all of that, that trumped my, my, uh, my appearance was I was uberly confident. You know what I mean? Um, I just, I came into meeting anytime I met with a client, the thing that I would hang my hat on is I'm going to outwork anyone that you talk with. You know what I mean? So I know, I know I probably shouldn't admit this, but there was times where I'd actually get excited if I was going on listing appointments and I was competing with other listing agents that were 20, 30 years older than me, because I would just say, 
okay, well, this person's 45, 50 years old. They've been doing real estate for 15, 20 years. They're married and they have three kids. Great. So do you want to hire them or do you want to work with somebody who's 23 years old? I'm not married. I don't have any kids and I'm willing to work 80 hours a week. Put me to work. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of this is confidence. I also feel that the smart thing to do if I was getting into real estate is I would probably look at joining a team because if you join a team, you get mentorship. And if you do go on these some of these appointments with clients and you are a little bit younger, you can have somebody like myself or you know the rainmaker on the team. They can be present with you. You know what I mean? And that way you you have a little bit of more backing and you're not kind of going in there just by yourself like yeah, I'm the, I'm the 20, 20 year old kid and I'm here to help you. You know, I don't have any experience, but put me to work. Right. And so like we touched on earlier in this episode about how certain people are using old school ways of marketing properties and stuff like that. Um, with the information that you've received from Gary V, like what are some of the things that has worked that it was in his advice for you that you could give to people who are listening to this in their mid thirties or forties or fifties. Like what are some of the things that you've learned from Gary V that they could use in their older years of, of real estate? Man. Well, I just got a phone. I just got a picture from my mom two days ago and she sent me a picture that she's now doing bus stop advertising. So, um, I love you, mom, and your sign looks super awesome and it's sexy, but I just don't think bus stop advertising is a smart thing to do. Uh, going off of the stuff that Gary Vee talks about, I think number one, he talks about jab, 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 right hook. So what does that look like? Well, that means that when you're doing things like marketing, like stop being the cheesy realtor that's like putting together all these Facebook pictures of you forcing a sold sign into your client's house and then writing this thing about how you help them buy a house and you want to help other people buy houses. It, to me, it's just self-serving. Like I feel super uncomfortable forcing my clients to do advertising for me. That just doesn't seem natural. It seems self-serving. And so what I like to do and why I created the whole West Sac Chris thing is I live in West Sacramento. I totally got this idea from Gary Vee and he talked about this was like his one little blurb uh, from um, I'm drawing a blank on the Ask Gary Vee book. There you go. Um, in that entire book, he had like a small little blurb about real estate agents. And one of the things he talked about is becoming a community expert, but don't ask for business, just give and give and give and give and be that go-to community resource that you know everything that's going on in the community. So I created West Sac Chris. If you want to check it out, go to westsackchris.com. I got a website. Um, we got my West Sac Chris Facebook page. We got the Instagram page and for lack of better words, I hired a videographer. We do a lot of community outreach. We do videos at all of the elementary schools and high schools in our community, uh, promoting events that they have. We're basically a one-stop shop for anything and everything, anything and everything in West Sacramento. So, yeah. So the, the takeaway here, guys, because I've seen West Sac Chris, and it's probably one of the coolest things. Um, the tagline is, if there's anything going on in West Sacramento and I don't know about it, I take it personal. So Chris is very, very, very ingrained in his community and loves Sacramento. Um, 
And for him, it's just one of those things where he's, he's got to keep his finger on the pulse of what's going on around town because that's the type of content that he provides to people. So uh, for like real estate agents who are trying to stay relevant, trying to do things in the modern world, doing something that's ancillary to real estate, but within kind of the same uh, realm, if so to speak, um, parallels, um, th- that's a way you can build a personal brand and build um, – awareness and show people your expertise in something that's more about entertainment than trying to sell them on something. So you are looking as if you are the expert and you're knowledgeable about your town, your community or whatever, so that when they think and say that, or when they think and realize that you are a real estate agent, like, holy shit, he knows the area way better than anybody else. And he's got a whole show about it on Facebook. I should probably call him if I'm going to do some real estate and need an agent. So, um, just to describe Westside Chris before you go check it out, it, it's kind of like a travel channel show in a sense um, where Chris is like a host and he's going to different places and talking to the proprietors of restaurants and bars. And, you know, like there was one that I saw a while back where he, there was like a, a brand new bar or, or like liquor store or something like that, that had just opened up in West Sacramento. Um, and it was just really cool for him to go check it out and, and give this, person in this in this business the exposure that it could use to uh, to leverage and get more people in the door and things like that so chris is not just doing a really cool thing for the community and himself and his brand but also just to help other people get foot traffic in the door and get build exposure for businesses who just want to start thriving so 100 yeah i think the biggest thing is like imagine that you're coming to a community from out of town, out of state. Okay. You don't know anything about that area. That's pretty much what I, why, why I've made it. Or one of the reasons why I made it is I want there to be a buzz of, Oh, you need to talk to this guy, West at Chris. He'll tell you the, the best pizza place. He'll tell you the best coffee shop. He'll tell you what schools that your kids should probably go to, you know? So it's, it's farming. So it's in real estate. We talk about, you should have a farm. You should have a a geographic location that you do a lot of your business in. So for me, that's my area. It's, it's, that's where I bought my house. That's where I live. A lot of my friends live in West Sacramento. So it just, to me, it was a no brainer that, okay, let's hire a videographer and let's just, just kind of get to work, you know? And so, but the point behind it is you'll never hear me talk about real estate. Like I'm, Hey, I'm, I'm, this is Chris says on the realtor here and I'm here to sell you a house. It's, it's always based on paying it forward and letting people know, letting people know in the community, what's going on in the community, what restaurants are coming, what businesses are coming, what developments are coming. Um, it's a pay it forward thing because the end all to this, my, my long goal on this is if I pay it forward enough without talking about myself, naturally the business will come. And so that's what I, that's why I I love Gary V. That's why I follow him, you know, read all of his books because I think he does such a good job at that. Yeah. And, and so that's what I've done. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, um, before my final question and before we wrap this up completely, I just want to acknowledge you, Chris, for being, um, such a good friend being, you know, a guy who strives for positivity, um, you know, we have challenges in communicating with each other from time to time. Um, and he's making a face right now for an inside joke between us, but, um, 
He's uh, no, you're such a good friend. And, and, and even though we have challenges with communication back and forth, we still always find a way to be in contact and still communicate and, um, you know, be the brothers that we are to each other. So I thank you for your support and supporting this podcast and um, coming on as a guest and uh, just keeping an eye out um, like, you know, a good friend would. And even though it's maybe not frequently every day it's still i know you're still paying attention you're still watching so i appreciate basically, basically what you're saying is you you wish that our relationship was a little bit more intimate and that we would be living together but you, <laughs> you know that you know eric your fiance erica would she she wouldn't be okay with that okay and so i i hear you no but all all jokes aside man it's been uh, just crazy watching your growth and watching your journey. We became friends super quick. We linked up. I definitely was like, I nominated myself. I was like, I'm your big brother. You know what I'm saying? I know that we have an age gap of almost 10 years and, and how old we are. So I was like, I'm your big brother. And just seeing where you've become, like seeing what you've become and your journey, it's been inspiring. Uh, you you have your, your, your fingertips on everything right now. And uh, yeah, man, it's just been an honor chatting with you and, and ditto, man. We, we, we might not communicate as much as we used to, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I know that I know where to find you. That's for sure. Yeah. And likewise, brother. So, um, so yeah, I just want to acknowledge you for that and, and all the positivity you're bringing out. And I, I really love that you're on this spiritual journey and going and trying to impact these people's lives. Um, whether they're the U S in your own community or, you know, people in Mexicali, like you did, like helping them build houses. And even though you probably suck at carpentry and, you know, building stuff, you still had good intent and you still, you still went to this place to really help people and, and give them a home and, and things like that. So I appreciate and acknowledge you for those things. Um, and the final question before we wrap it up is, um, we're going to go back to a previous topic. What is your image saying about you today? Man, what does my image say about me today? It says that I'm, uh, this is what I hope it says. It says that I am ready to give you a big hug. I'm, I'm, I'm approachable. I'm open and I'm ready to make you laugh. I don't know. Like there's so many different directions that I can go with that question. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is I just want people when they look at me or when they see me, um, that I want them to know that I'm completely approachable and I, I don't like taking life serious. You know, that's, that's always been a big, big thing for me. I think life is crazy and fast paced and, you know, there's so much stuff right now that is going on in our world around us that, I've always been the guy, um, that just wants to make people laugh. And so, um, you know, my image, uh, you know, I want my image to reflect that. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, that totally does. Um, and I can definitely attest to that. Chris is definitely, uh, he, 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 he likes to take his job seriously and get people's homes, you know, get people in their homes and really take care of them. He takes that very seriously. However, everything else in life is very loose, very even keeled and just super joyful. So I appreciate it. And uh, that's awesome. So um, again, this is the wait before I do that, actually, um, 
again, if you have questions for Chris, you can always find him on like Instagram and uh, Facebook and things like that. But if you have very specific questions for Chris Saison, you can email him at Chris at ChrisSaison.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-I-Z as in zebra, A-N. Dot com. So Chris at chrissaison.com. Email him your questions if you are just really wanting to know what the hell to do about real estate if you're just starting out, if you're way deep into it, but you have no idea about personal branding as a real estate agent or you know trying to bring things into the 21st century, he'll definitely talk to you about it and uh, provide a, a helping hand. So Get in t- contact with Chris and uh, go follow along on social media. Chris Saison on Instagram. And then he's also got West Sack Chris that you can go follow as well. So go follow him and uh, keep in contact with him. And um, again, this is the New Inspiration Extraordinary Gentleman podcast with me, Sean Ireton. And I appreciate you guys for tuning in. And once again, Chris, thank you for coming on. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the New Inspiration Extraordinary Gentleman podcast. If you enjoyed the content, give it a like, subscribe, and if you know someone who needs to hear this or wants to hear this, share it with them. Don't hold back. Let them hear it. And if you have any questions for me or my guest, we'd love to answer those questions for you. So shoot me a tweet, DM me on Instagram, leave a comment below on YouTube, or find me on Facebook. If you have Anchor FM, you can message me on my station. The username is at New Inspiration, N-U-I-N-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N. And as always, make the rest of today extraordinary, gentlemen.